It's a great privilege just to be with you this evening, and uh, appreciate those kind words, Mark. Uh, Mark and Carrie, you guys are champions. As you said, it is true. We have uh, really been praying that we would connect with churches nearby, and uh, you guys planting this church has been very much an answer to our prayers, and the, the, the passion you guys carry just for what it is God has called you to is really just wonderful. We glean a lot from it. And we love the relationship, the partnership, the friendship. Um, and just you keep inviting us back in, which is always amazing. So thank you for having us here this evening. And I just want to thank you as a church. What an incredible privilege for us to come and uh, just enjoy this moment with you. This is an incredibly significant time for this local church. And uh, we love the journey you're on. We celebrate the highs with you. We feel the pain when things aren't going like they need to or when sad things begin to happen or so on. But we're, we're loving the journey that God has called you on. And to come into a time like this just uh, is, is a real celebration of one of the highs of what it is God is doing in this local church. And I believe there's huge ramifications for the next season from what it is that God wants to release officially uh, this evening into the life of this local church. And so I'm going to ask you, please, if you have a Bible, to go with me to Matthew chapter 16. And I recognize this is an ordination evening where we are recognizing what God has already recognized, and we will be setting in order uh, elders, uh, two eldership couples into the life of this church, which is really exciting. But I love how Mark started this meeting by saying, actually, this meeting is about something far greater than just that. It's about someone who we absolutely love dearly, who we're passionate about. It's all about Him. It's because of Him. The releasing of leaders is for Him to see His fulfillment of His plan. It's all wrapped up in this incredible King Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm aware that many of you have been to meetings like this before. I've certainly been involved in many, many of these times, and I get to, to be involved in a lot more. Next Sunday, I'll be standing in Australia ordaining two couples onto another uh, uh, eldership team. Uh, so I get to do this all over the world, and I'm really privileged to do that. But what I, I do want to ask you this evening is just to open your hearts for God to speak to you, not just to these two couples that we're bringing on, but into the life of this church. I'm so aware that leadership in the church is, is often misunderstood. And uh, I know Paul certainly addressed some of those issues through Scripture uh, he wrote to the Corinthian church. I just think about the Corinthian church while we're worshiping. I just went back and looked at some of what Paul was saying to that church. And it would seem that the church, the Corinthian church, had a worldly perspective or view of leadership. They were arm wrestling over, I follow this guy and I follow this guy. And, and Paul said, I, I can't even address you as spiritual because you're acting worldly. And it was due to ultimately them arm wrestling about who's the leader, who do we follow, it's my guy, it's his guy. And Paul just addressed it and said, you're acting like the world. And friends, what I want to say this evening is, we as God's people, this church, cannot have a worldly view of leadership in the church. This is a spiritual people. This is a people called of God. This is a people who've understood God has put you here for time and place. And you cannot embrace the Babylonian-style leadership out there and bring it into the church and think this is how the church needs to function. 
And so I want to say to you tonight, this is not a worldly releasing of leaders. This is an understanding from God of what it means to be a leader in God's church of which Jesus Christ ultimately is the leader of all. And while we look to man, we look to God. And God chooses. God decides. Let me tell you, in leadership in the kingdom, it's not earned. There are probably people in this room that are more deserving than the ones who are being released tonight. But we don't earn leadership in the kingdom. It's God-chosen leadership. God chooses, not the people who are earning it, but it's God-given from who God decides who should be that leader. Are you with me, friends? So these guys haven't earned anything. They've simply responded to what it is God has called them to and been faithful, and there's a recognition of that this evening. Then, then Paul says that not only are we not to have a worldly view of leadership, but we're also not to have a too high a view of leadership in the church. Now that's not to say what we're doing here is not important, but it is to say don't think of these people highly or more highly than you ought to and that's the problem these guys had in the, in the uh, Corinthian church is they were arm wrestling over certain people and so Paul said who is Paul who is Apollos we, we, we're simply people chosen to take a task or to do a task a sign task but we're not the ones who bring growth to this thing God's the one who brings growth and so our point this evening is don't look at these guys in a worldly view don't look at them too high and let them take the place of who God is and certainly who Jesus is in your life in this room this evening. But on the other side, don't look at them too lowly. And I think that many people in the church are in reaction to what I've just said and said we're not going to look at any kind of leadership in any way. But Paul says that ultimately we are just those who have given a task to do. But then he talks about the skillful uh, uh, a master builder. So although you're talking about that, I want to tell you, friends, not, it's not easy to lead God's people in this capacity. So don't think everybody is called to do this. Only God, those who God has chosen. And then what I love about what Paul says is don't think too highly of them, don't think too lowly of them. But then he says, but think highly of yourselves. Who? The church. He said, we are workers, co-workers, but you are God's field, God's building. And so this evening, while we're going to honor these guys and get around them in a little while, I want to just tell you this evening, God wants this church to understand the high view you need of God's people to understand the role and the importance of what the future holds for this church. And while we're going to recognize these guys in a moment, say with me, please, God, I want this revelation of who I am as your chosen people to walk it out, the purposes in this next season. And so, if you could just go with me, as I said, to this great text, Matthew 16. I recognize I've read this in this church before, and I was so desperately not wanting to say this again. And in this evening, while we were singing, I just had to go back and cut and paste this text, because I'm telling you, friends, if you don't understand who you are, what we're doing tonight is going to be wonderful, but it's not going to help you fulfill the destiny God has on this church. This church is made up of people, not just leaders. Right? And it's you wonderful people in this room. Let's read together. Matthew 16, verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. What about you, He asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, 
You're the son of the living God. This is an amazing, amazing truth that is so vital for the church and for this church this evening to be reminded of this truth. Jesus asked his disciples, who are people out there saying that I am? They said, some say you're John the Baptist, and some say you're Elijah, or one of the great prophets. You're a great teacher. You're a great prophet. You're all these things. And Jesus said, that's cool, but what about you? You, my disciples, you, my church, what do you say about me? You, my followers, what do you say about me? Not just out them out there, you and I this evening in this room. And he said, you are the Christ. Simon Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. You're not just a prophet or a teacher or a co-pilot or some philosopher or some other CEO of the church or whatever else we've made it in our great nation who we think Jesus is. You are the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. And I love how Jesus looked at him and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. You're blessed by that revelation. He said, for that was not revealed to you by man. This evening, I want to just bring some more revelation of who Jesus is, but man can't bring it to man. It's got to be God giving revelation of who His Son really is. And He said what? That was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Oh God, give the church, give this church that revelation of who Jesus Christ really is. And so he, he, he calls him blessed and he said, you've got this revelation from my father. And then for the first time in history, the first time ever, Jesus begins to unpack and outlay and mention what the church is all about. Because of the revelation of him, he said, now let me tell you who you are. And he began to say, you are Simon and I call you, now I call you Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus Christ is building his church. And while we celebrate tonight leadership and releasing, it's Jesus, friends, who builds this church. Not these leaders, not you, not even me. Jesus Christ is building this church. And you know, that's the only thing in Scripture that He said He was building. He's building the church. His church. And then He begins to unpack what that church looks like. And it's a front-footed people. It's a people on the front foot. It's a people storming the gates of hell. Not hanging out for Jesus to return. It's a church in victory, friends. But it's a church in victory because of the revelation of Jesus and the foundation being Jesus Christ. Now, I love what God's doing in this church. I love, I celebrate what it is He's doing. But He, Jesus, is the one who's doing this. And He is the foundation of this church. And when He's the foundation and He's the revelation, then my friends, this church's future is incredibly bright. Leaders come, leaders go. Jesus stays the same. He's unchanging. He never goes. And He's on the march and He's taking His people with Him. So Jesus is building His church. He said, you are Peter, verse 18, on this rock I'll build my church and I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Oh, I love that. Whatever you bind on earth, you'll be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth. Friends, let me remind you again this evening. That the church is God's plan. It's not Mark's plan. It's not my plan. It's not some pastors. There's a few pastors in the room and I'm delighted to have you with me here. But it's not pastor. A lot of churches think the pastors had a plan to start some church somewhere. 
And if that happened, my friends, this church would have been over a long time ago. The world is out to destroy the church. But let me tell you, the church is God's plan. You in this room who are born again believers are God's plan. God always wanted a peculiar people and He always wanted a bride for His Son. And I listen to some theologians who like to bring some of the history of where we've come from and talk about the church being plan B because plan A didn't work. This parenthetical theology. And I don't know if you don't know what it means, don't worry about it. But let me tell you, we're not plan B. We're plan A. And Jesus said it right there. I will build my church. And you and I will never take ground into our future if we think we're plan B. Because if plan A didn't work, then why is plan B going to work? Good luck taking nations if you think you're plan B. You're not plan B. You're plan A. The church has always been God's plan. And what He's doing tonight is still His plan in this room. Amen? It's always been God's purpose, the church. Always. You have always been God's purpose. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, Now through the church, God's intent, not man's intent, God's intent is now through the church. The manifold of wisdom will be made known to principalities and powers in the heavenly realm. Through the church, not through the preacher, through God's people, the world will know that Jesus Christ is alive. It's got to bring hope to you this evening. Yes, we celebrate these elders. My goodness, we celebrate more than that. Jesus Christ and the church that He's building right here. I also believe he says you're a powerful people. The church in God's eyes is powerful. How do I know? Because he says you're militant, victorious, built on the rock and foundation of Jesus Christ. Built by Jesus and storming the gates of darkness. Not holding fort, friends. I, I think the church today has gone back into holding fort. We're just hanging on for dear life, surviving every day. Perhaps coming to meetings and saying, just give me my my full for the next moment, just to make it through the week. Friends, you're not survivors. The church Jesus is building is a victorious people, front-footed, storming the gates of hell, not holding on and hoping we can make it. Now, I recognize that the challenges in this nation, and the church is facing some real challenges, but the church that Jesus is building is a victorious people because of the revelation of the victorious King who's building this church. Amen? It's a church that's proactive. Having the keys of the kingdom. Oh, thank you for the, those keys. And uh, I, I don't... I, well, I, I believe that these keys represent some, some, some things. They speak of authority. Think about the authority not leaders have. The church has. He's given us keys not to the kingdom. Of the kingdom. In other words, you and I in this room have the privilege of administrating something of the kingdom of heaven here on earth. <laughs> you see why Paul said, you are important church. You've got to have a high view of the church understanding we've been trusted by God to administrate His kingdom here on earth. Oh, I love this. Everybody wins in the New Testament, New Covenant. It's not just a few chosen heroes. Everybody's a hero because Jesus is the hero who empowered every person in this room with keys, not to the kingdom, of the kingdom. It speaks about authority and access, ownership, control, 
authorization, power, freedom. That's what keys speak of. And He gave us keys. Don't talk about to the kingdom. It's of the kingdom. Releasing something of the here on earth. Isn't that wonderful, friends? Isn't that awesome? I mean, that has to be wow. Come on. Okay, well, I'm wow. Come on. I. You know what that means? We're connected to heaven. Uh, this handful of wonderful people that look very different to many other people, connected to heaven by God's choosing. How vital is the church today? Didn't give us keys to the church, but I believe a church, as I've said this in this church, a church without a kingdom vision eventually becomes selfish and self-serving. If you've become about the church, your vision will diminish to being happy and taking care of each other. But when you understand kingdom, it's always about reaching out and taking land and taking territory, and not for ourselves, but for someone who's far greater than any one of us. Amen? Amen. The church is the agency. I I believe we're not the kingdom. I I believe the kingdom is bigger than the church. I believe the kingdom is in the church and the church is in the kingdom, but the church is not the kingdom. Why? We are the agency through which the kingdom comes. That's what Jesus said in Matthew 16. All right. And then I I wanted to say the church is a participant. It's united. See, the church that Jesus is building is united. It's wonderful that we've got other pastors in this room. And again, representing the church, not a church. And while there's differences, and I understand that, and different people have different... under The point is that, that we all have the same name under Jesus Christ, the one who's building the church. It's about Him, friends. The church that Jesus is building is united. You know that there's no doctrinal differences in the Godhead. They're not arm wrestling for position and promotion. They know their role. They understand one kingdom glorifying the King, Jesus Christ. The glory of God. And it's a purified people. Glorious, sanctified. You and I in this morning, this evening in this room are sanctified. Glorious. Set apart for Jesus. That's the church that Jesus is building. Now I believe that it's more important what you get saved into than what you get saved out of. And as I've been praying about this great future you guys have, I believe God wants to add many unsaved people into this church. And I believe even in this next season, you're going to see more and more of that. Part of releasing more leaders is to take more ground. Every time in Scripture, leaders were released, it was always with a prophetic utterance, not to cope with what was, but to take what's still to come. The Israelites wanted to come out of Israel. They cried out to God, help us, help us from Egypt. And what did God do? He sent a man. The answer to the prayer of Israel to get out of Egypt was to send a man. Moses, take care of them. Lead them out. Right through Scripture. Old covenant, new covenant. Stepping up. Leaders taking their responsibility. Break camp. You've been at this mountain long enough. Choose leaders to lead us out. And I want to tell you that's exactly what God wants to do spiritually in this church is take you into new and greater. That's why you're having leaders released tonight. All right? So it's for the greater of what it is that God has for you. But I also believe that we're going to see a lot more people saved. We have to. I want to see more people saved. More Americans getting saved in the church today. Come on, let's get those American accents flowing. We want to have heaven full of American accents, right? Well, let me tell you, at the moment, we need to do some work and trust for breakthrough 
in 2014 for more people to come into this church and not just get added from other churches, get saved into this church. Unchurched into this. But it's more important what you get saved into than what you get saved out of. And so the question is in this time, what are people going to get saved into, into this local church? Colossians 1.13 says, For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of His Son in which He loves. Isn't that wonderful? We've been taken out of, I'm going to feel rescued. We don't always feel rescued, but let me tell you, the Bible says you are rescued, but you rescued into something, not just hanging around. And so we've been taken out of and we've been brought into what are people getting saved into. And so I, I want to just throw out a few helps, Mark, if this is okay, of what I believe for something for your next season. I believe, number one, this church needs purposeful leadership. <laughs> now, that's part of why we're releasing more leaders tonight. Leaders who lead. Not leaders who have a position. Not leaders who've been chosen and even appointed, but are not willing or able to lead. God puts leaders in leadership positions, not for a position, but so they will lead. Are you there, friends? Now, I'm not talking to your leaders, because I've spent a lot of time with your leaders, telling them they've got to lead. I'm talking to the church here this evening, saying, friends, for you to walk in what God has for this church, in this season, hearing something of what the church Jesus is building, for your season, you need purposeful leaders who are able to lead God's people into what it is God has for them. There is at times a void of leadership. Sometimes leaders are scared to lead because they'll get voted out. The good news in this church, there's no voting. Why? Because that's biblical. And unfortunately, you can't put your hand up and say, I'll vote for that elder. He's either called by God or he's not. But it's timing and releasing in the right time that's got to be recognized by others. But unfortunately, you do vote. You vote with your feet. What do I mean? You leave the church when leaders begin to leave. Oh, we want leaders. Fill this place. Mark stands up here and says, we're not going to limit leaders here. And I believe that's his heart. But how about you? How will you limit leaders? I know you probably won't have me back, but I'm leading here. I'm serious, friends. I mean, we love the, 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 the notion of having leaders. But what about leaders allowed to actually lead? God doesn't put leaders in places to lead. And then let's say, hang in there and hope. No, they've got to lead. So you need purposeful leadership in this season. Leaders that lead. For God so loved the world. My friends, He did not give the world a committee. Or the church a committee. He gave them leaders. Now, I know that anyone can take abuse. I know that everybody, I mean, I'm amazed, to be honest, not in this church, but I travel the world, and I, I speak with leaders and pastors, and I spend my time with churches all over. I'm amazed how much spiritual abuse the church puts up with. So I'm not in any way giving these guys license tonight to abuse, but I am saying they've got to lead if you're going to go into your inheritance. And you have to back their leadership, get behind them as a team and say, Lead us to where God's called us to go. Amen. Let me tell the goal of leadership. The goal of leadership is not to keep people happy. In actual fact, it's to keep people moving 
which makes them very unhappy. God spiritually wants to keep you moving. And He puts leaders in place to lead by example from the front, not to keep people happy, but to keep us moving into what God has. And if you're honest, and I'm honest at times, I'm always honest, but I'm saying that at times, I also don't like moving. I don't want to move. Change, here we go with change. As Mark Twain said, the only one who likes change is a wet baby. Because when you move, you've got to change. You're taking ground territory. It's not easy. That's leadership. Taking people into what it is God has for them. I also want to say leadership in the kingdom is, isn't to get something out of people, but rather to invest in them. Leadership, releasing. You want leaders to lead? Let them invest into your life. Let them speak into your life so you can walk in the bigness of what God intended for you. Isn't to do all the work. Oh, now we've got three elders in this church. Wonderful. And there was. And now we can all hang back and watch them lead. No, friends. Back them. Get behind. Because leadership is not to do it all. Leadership is to actually give it to others who can do it better than them. A couple of amens except for the elders would be great. <laughs> leadership isn't to declare what you are against. It's rather to define what you stand for. The church today has to step up and leaders have to shout it out from the rooftops. There's a declaration that needs to come back through leadership in the United States in the church today and tell the world what we believe rather than tell them what we don't believe and what we're against. Stand up for what you fall. And that takes guts. That takes conviction. That takes leadership to say, we stand for this, not we're against that, we're against that, we're against that. What are you for, sir and ma'am? That's leadership. This season, talk about what you're for. Jesus came and spoke what he's for. The Sadducees and Pharisees, and they were all against. Jesus said, this is what I'm about. And it was very different to anything else that was ever seen on this planet. I want to also say, Leadership in the kingdom isn't to tear people down. It's to build them up. These elders being released tonight is for you, not for them. You asked them. We had this conversation, and we never. Pastors never do what's best for pastors. Otherwise, they're not pastors. They do what's best for the people God's entrusted them to lead. So it's to build people up, not to tear people down. Leadership in the kingdom isn't to restrain people, but it's rather in God finding out and figuring out how to release, or can I say, unleash them. Being flexible, yet stable. Being confident, yet vulnerable. Passionate, yet sensitive. Being perseverant, yet gentle. Wild. How many know we need wild leaders? but not weird leaders. Some have think, well, if I'm wild, I've got to be weird. No, friends. You know, Jesus was not weird, but He was wild. We need some wildness back in the church today. We need men to be men and happy and allowed to be men and be wild and let that warrior spirit be stirred again in the church today. Wild. Wild leaders. Wild elders. But not weird. Not this weird stuff. <laughs> we need authentic but graceful leadership 
in the church. Number two, I'm nearly done, relax. You need passionate leaders, leaders who will lead. Secondly, you need power in this season. Now, I know we always need power, but I, I want to say to you again this evening, new day, I love what was said and the whole thing of the river and the whole thing of trusting for more. And I've got to tell you, friends, this church needs a desperation for God's power. If you and I can do what we're doing without God, we're not doing what God has called us to do. The church is good at doing stuff in their gifting, but we forget there's someone who's the giver of the gift who wants to anoint that gift. So it's not natural ability, it's the power of God through the church. I think we're we're in danger of showing too much confidence in our relevance rather than our confidence in God's ability. God's prayer is not a good luck charm. Prayer is not something we tag on before a meeting or after a meeting. Prayer is an acknowledgement before God that we need God to come through at every level. It's weakness depending on omnipotence. It's me saying to God, I can't do this. I'm totally dependent on you. It's not tagging it on before and after. It's all through our walk as we go forward saying, God, if you don't come through, we're done. We need to pray Habakkuk 3.2 prayers every day. Lord, I've heard of your faith. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. Pray that prayer daily. You know, friends, I believe in the church, the Holy Spirit, you know what He does? He makes, he makes witnesses out of weaklings. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power. Weaklings become witnesses when the power of God is on us. He brings fellowship into uh, uh, it, it brings fellowship instead of factions. The Holy Spirit unites people. There's all these factions in the early church. The Holy Spirit united them and brought them into fellowship. And I also want to tell you what the Holy Spirit does. He produces growth without gimmicks. I think the church has sold out on power for gimmicks. And we're using all these gimmicks to try and freak and test and, and bring people in. Friends, I want to tell you, we don't need the gimmicks when the Holy Spirit is released to be the Holy Spirit. Alright? So I'm, I'm asking us, say, Lord, more of your power in this season. We're trusting. You know that the great power was not well, from God and the Holy Spirit, not man. Acts chapter 2, 3,000 were added. Multitudes in Acts chapter 14 of converts. Uh, Acts chapter 4, 5,000 converts. Acts chapter 6, verse 7. Numbers multiplied. Prayer and power of God produced growth. While we want to see this growth, let God bring the growth through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Thirdly, be prophetic. I want to say to this church, believe there are greater things in store. 
I'm sure some of you have had some great walks. I look at some of you seasoned people in this room because you've got gray hair and say you might have served God a long time and you've probably seen some real moves and been involved in, in some good stuff. Here's what I want to say to you tonight. There's better things in store. Why? Because the Bible says that. I don't know if it's going to be easier, but it's going to be better. I believe Paul, if he was in his grave, I know he's not because he's absent from the body, he's present with the Lord. So, But if he was, he'd be turning in his grave wishing he was alive today. Why? Because we get to walk out what these guys, all who've gone before, have dreamt of, prayed for, and get, got this nation and people ready for. So I want to say there are greater things. Have that prophetic utterance. Don't read the book of Acts. Say, gee, those are the glory days. No, friends, that's where the church started. 2,000 years later, how much more can we walk in today? Got to have that not look, oh, oh, oh man, I, I long for those days. No, greater days. Why? Because that's what it means to be a prophetic people. I believe you guys in this season need to anticipate the grace of God like never before. People getting saved. God is still in the business of saving people. Regardless of what you see and what you hear, God sent His Son. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. I believe you've got to trust in this season He will save people. The goodness of God. He will bless His people regardless of what's happening around us. God cares about His people. Anticipate the blessing of God in this season. Walking in His provision and His protection. God's guidance. He will lead. He wants to lead and is leading. He will lead. He'll continue to lead you as God's people into what it is that God has for you. And here's the deal, friends. If God guides, you know the story. Then God provides. If He's guiding this church. He's going to keep providing regardless of what the economy does, regardless of what everyone else is doing. God will provide for His people if God guides His people. And that's why you've got to be praying for this eldership team. Lord, let them hear you and let them be guided by you so we can walk in all that you have for us and what it is for them. Believe God will speak in this season. Now, I want to tell you that one of the biggest challenges the church faces today is the inability to hear God. I think a prophetic church often walks in presumption rather than hearing in God. And I, I, I've got to say to you, the things God has stated and said, and they set and ready and go. But there are other things we need to hear God first before we respond. I think about in Matthew 14. You know the story. Everyone mocks Peter for walking on water. Man, he walked on water. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he sunk. Yeah, but he walked. No one else ever walked on water other than Jesus. And Peter walks on water. And we all say, what an idiot. No, what a champion. That's right. Although he did sink, he still walked. But that story goes where he, they all freaked out. And then they see this and it looked like a ghost. And they said, no, it's Jesus. And Peter says, if it's you, Lord... Not I'm coming, like many people think. If it's you, Lord, tell me to come. And Jesus said, come. And he got out and he walked on water. And he lost his way because he took his eyes off Jesus. But he still walked on water. You see, too many of us say, Lord, if it's you, I'm coming. Get out the water and sink. He said, if it's you, tell me to come. I need to hear you say, come, before I can walk on water. Don't get out the boat until you say, Lord, tell me to come. But when he says, come, walk on water. Because he said it.
Amen. Amen. Number four, plain people. Plain people. Forgive me for being honest. Churches that go into a great future of what God has for people. Churches, forgive me, that are full of ordinary people. I'm not saying all of you in this room are ordinary. But let me tell you, God chooses the foolish. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the foolish, the moros, the Greek words, actually where we get our word moron. I'm not saying you're all morons, but I am saying he uses the lowly and the foolish. Why? So that no flesh may glory in his presence. That no one can take the glory for what God does. In Acts chapter 4, it says that when they saw that these were ordinary, unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. They took notice of what was happening. Friends, I want to tell you, God takes ordinary people to do the extraordinary things He wants to do. And so I love looking around. I'm not Honestly, I'm not judging a book by its cover. But don't look for the glitz and the glam and the big boy. Stay true to who God's called you to be. Enjoy the know and know this. Ordinary people. I'm the most ordinary person on this planet. I know that. But God takes someone who's ordinary and says, I'll do extraordinary things through you. Ordinary to your church. And I'm going to use them to do mighty acts. It's amazing that Jesus didn't choose one scribe or Pharisee to launch his church. Not one of them. Now, if we had a worldly view, we'd say, that guy, that guy. He says, none of them. Tax collector, fisher, fisherman. You guys come. You're going to be my champions. Now let's launch a church. What? Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Some of us in this room, I'm amening that. Let me say this. If you focus on our ability, your ability you'll always feel overwhelmed and inadequate. But if you focus on who God is, what He's done, we'll be confident and secure. If you focus on what others always say about you, you'll feel either full of pride or feel pain. If you focus on what God says, you'll feel appreciative and thankful. If you focus on what the world says, we'll always change our mind to agree with culture. If we focus on what God says, we can live a life based on conviction rather than convenience. If you focus on what the world says about money, you'll always be broke. If we focus on what God says about money, you're going to be blessed. Yeah? Okay, I'm landing. You're all quiet. I don't know why. It's good news. I'm landing. Proactive in evangelism. Your next point, your next season. I already mentioned it, but I want to say, I, I don't know. We all want more people saved in all of our churches. But for this church, I feel like God's saying you need to be more proactive in evangelism. Amen. I don't know what that means, and I'm not putting that on you. But a church that's growing, that has the life of God, has the protect, and the future, God's releasing more people. I said to these elders who are coming on, for the next season, do the work of an evangelist. Because many pastors lose their heart for the world because of their heart for the church. And while we need a heart for the church, my friends, we got to have a heart for the sinners because they are desperate for what we have here tonight. Alright? It's one thing to know the gospel. It's another thing to make the gospel known. 
You know, it's possible to do, do evangelism without planting churches. But it's not possible to plant churches without evangelism. And this is still a church plant. And that's why you planted this church. To reach sinners for Jesus. Don't grow up in a church that now is so established we don't need sinners. When you talk to church planters, they need to be passionate about Jesus and passionate about sinners. But the church becomes more passionate about everything but Jesus and the sinner. This church cannot ever lose the heart of why you planted this church. Not to keep people happy and release elders. To get sinners saved so Jesus can come back. And every Erie and every other region around you is so full of unsaved people. That's why we're here. That's why we're just up the road. We are here to see sinners get saved. That's why he's in Boulder. That's why they're in Firestone. That's why we're in Westminster. That's why you're here. What for? What for? Sinners to come to Jesus. Amen? I love what uh, somebody said. Evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I just want to say, if your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you yet. The greatest hindrance to evangelizing of the world are those within the church. Okay. Evangelism is the spontaneous overflow of a glad and free heart in Jesus Christ. It's not this thing we put on. It's not something. It's the spontaneous overflow of what He's done for me. How can I not go tell others? You know, somebody said life is too short and hell is too hot to just play church. Somebody else said, being an extrovert isn't essential to evangelism. You just need obedience and love. Where our witnessing starts, a revelation of Jesus and our relationship with Jesus. And I believe when the church has that revelation of who Jesus is and we have this ongoing relationship with Jesus, we cannot but talk about Jesus wherever we go. It's a natural progression from our revelation. Amen? I'm not beating you over the head saying more. I'm telling you, God has more sinners to come to Him through this local church. Not just here on a Saturday night. Everywhere you go, sinners are surrounding you. Tell them about the Jesus you know. And watch them get saved. And watch Jesus undo them. And watch them come to know what we've got. And my friends, then watch Jesus come back. Passionate. You need to be a passion. Number six, passionate. I love Mark's passion. And, and Kara's. I said to this guy, I mean, he's passionate about everything, isn't he? <laughs> Food, king, kingdom, his wife, his kid. Now even the Broncos. <laughs> we converted him, right? It was the Raiders, now it's the Broncos. Praise God. He's picked a winning team, right? Tomorrow, yeah? Amen? Okay. But I want to tell you, the church needs to be full of passionate people. I want to say people in this church actually need to love this church and don't attend meetings because you have to but because you want to it's important we need people participating taking ownership of the great commission 
Yeah, he, uh, uh, Mark r- talks about our, our, we're involved tri- local, uh, globally all over the world. So are they. So are you. Being linked to us means you have to too. And not because of us, because of the Bible. Somebody said, if the world is not your parish, then your parish will become your world. I think the church's own parish has become their world rather than the world that God has called us to. David Livingston said this, Why is it that a commission from an earthly king would be an honor, but a commission from a heavenly king is a sacrifice? I think while we preach the Great Commission, we need to preach it as a privilege rather than a sacrifice. We've been commissioned by God to walk in these things. All right, I'm going to land right here. We need to just be perceptive. This church, please hear my heart in this, you've got to adapt and change as you go forward. We don't change God's word and we don't change God's will, but we're going to have to change some of the ways if we're going to reach people who've yet to be reached. And so for your next season, it's not think out the box. Let me tell you, you want to be out of the box? The best way to be out of the box is get back to Scripture. That's the most radical you can be. But within that, finding new ways and new strategies of how you reach these wonderful people around it. Finding new emphasis. How do we go then? What do we do? New buildings, new facilities, new meeting, whatever it be, you're going to have to adapt and change without being offended. But not what's best for the church. It's what's best to reach the people yet to be part of this church. That's a big challenge. But that's the way God's called. This needs to be a people who are plenty. But let me just say, generosity has to be embraced in this church. Not just financially, at every level. Yeah. Do you know, no greedy person has ever made a positive impact on the, on the, on the planet ever in history. Only generous people make huge changes. Yeah. Generous. Stay generous. Be generous. Give your all for the King and His kingdom in this season. And watch what it does, what He does in and through you as we release these great leaders together.